What's going on, guys? It's JP from the Double Double, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. And today, we're just going to do a little recap of the league and some stuff that's been going on lately. And we're going to start off in Sacramento with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, De'Aaron Fox got hurt about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and they were really struggling without him. He is back, and now they are dominating. Ben, what have your thoughts been on the Kings as of late? Yeah, and they're sticking to that recipe. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has been incredible in the games he's played. He's averaging 32 points from 51% from the floor, 38% from three. That is crazy efficiency. And Sabonis is basically putting up a repeat statistic of last year, averaging 20 points um, from 60% from the floor with 13 rebounds and seven assists per game. That's what landed him all NBA last year. Like this, they, those two particularly are playing great. Um, and what's interesting about this Kings team is there's still room to grow. Keegan Murray's had a really interesting and weird start to this season. Um, if he becomes a little bit more consistent, there's definitely a step up this team can take. <laughs> Yeah, and you could have even made the argument if De'Aaron Fox didn't break his finger, they move on in last year's playoffs. I mean, the war, it took a masterclass from Curry to beat that team with an injured De'Aaron Fox. And Draymond was in Sabonis' head in that series was still really, really close. So uh, it's just nice to see the Kings back on track. And I just think a player I want to highlight for them quickly is Malik Monk. Um I think a lot of people viewed him as like a good stats shot chucker on a horrible team, like not a, basically a non-winning player. And I think he's been able to turn that around completely after his stint in the Lakers and now on his second year of the Kings. He's really important to what they do. Um, he can just run an offense for five minutes of a game, setting up guys and bombing threes. He's, he's a really fun player and he's very helpful for their team.
That was a good one. Um, I had some money on the Rockets, so I was paying pretty close attention. Kawhi, outstanding. Paul George, pretty good. James, very efficient. Um, I will say the end of the game got pretty chippy. I was I had money on the Rockets side of things, so that's who I was rooting for. But um, the game got really chippy at the end. A lot of physicality. The refs swallowed their whistles. I'm fine with that. That's how I like to watch basketball be played. Um, but the Clippers came out on top, and I think that's a really encouraging sign for Clippers fans. I'm still not in love with this fit. I still have a lot of reservations when it comes to James Harden being a winner player, no matter who he's surrounded with. But there was like a weird amount of support for this team in the building. Like Clippers fans really showed out. They were loud, which doesn't really happen at Clippers games. I had the pleasure to go to one when I was out in LA. Like those crowds, they're basically there to enjoy a cocktail and hang out with their friends. They're kind of not even paying attention to the game. That crowd against the Rockets was booming. I was very surprised by that. Um, it was just nice to see the Clippers beat a pretty good team in the, in the Rockets. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so Ty Lue advocated that Russell Westbrook requested to come off the bench to help the chemistry of the team. And I just want to start this with saying, I never thought a day in my life I would respect Russell Westbrook. But for the last, like, six months or so, I've really loved everything he's done from a PR statement, like, from a PR place and from a player perspective. Like, I just think he's really kind of changed my attitude towards him. Um, I think with time, this will get solved out um, or just look cleaner for him specifically. Um, Russ is an energy guy. Russ is a guy that's going to take a lot of shots when he's on the court. There's going to be times when one of these guys don't have it where he needs to step up and they're going to try to you know, change the pace of a game because Harden's such a walk-it-up dribble guy and Russ is such a go-go-go player. They're going to try to switch up the pace with him eventually. We'll see how it goes. He needs to be on the bench. He needs to be on the bench. At this point of his career, especially with the trade they made, like I thought he could have been the lead point guard for them um, if they didn't make that James Harden trade. With the Harden trade, he needs to be on the bench. There's no other way to put it. Also, I'm pretty sure P.J. Tucker should retire after this year. He is barely a basketball player. Last year, we were kind of laughing because he doesn't look at the rim. Like, now... He's just out there to do some laps. It's it's pretty bad. He's he's pretty washed up. Yeah.
Yeah, it's it's funny. I writ I wrote a uh, an article the other day on our rookie rankings just for fun. I'm, I'll come out with that eventually. But when I was talking about Chet, one of the main things I wrote about was how interesting of a player he is offensively because he has a good enough dribble and a good enough three-point shot where it forces fives to come out and contest pump fakes, and he has a good enough dribble to drive past them and actually finish layups. So he continues putting fives in blenders in terms of they need to make a decision. Am I going to respect his jump shot here, or am I going to play the drive? And he keeps these players in kind of la-la land trying to decide what route they're going to go. He dominated the Warriors last night by, you know, catch and shoot threes. He went two for five, obviously one of them sending them to OT, but also punishing teams by going inside and hitting mid-range shots and getting to the rim. And then Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I know I've talked some jive about him on this podcast, but usually superstars don't waste game-tying shots. And when that overtime happened, he scored 10 of their 13 points in overtime. He just dominated the entire quarter and he put the game to rest. Like, the Thunder are so freaking fun to watch. Yeah, I texted you that, I think, either last night or this morning. It's really nice to see Andrew Wiggins kind of get back to what he is. He has had an awful start to the season through, like, 10 or 11 games. Like, career worst in every category. Um, and then he came out last night, 31 points at 12 and 19 from the floor and 5 for 8 from 3. Hopefully that sends him on a tra- upward trajectory for the season. Because I, I like rooting for Wiggins, and I think he's really important to that Warriors team. When it comes to the Clay Thompson conversation, though, dude, like, he's in a contract year, and this is how he's playing. You know, I think we really used to love how he was a no-dribble player, right? Because we had guys like Westbrook and Harden dominating the ball for so long of possessions, and we had this unicorn who could score 60 points with seven dribbles, right? He was He's such a unique player archetype. In his old age, like... He cannot put the ball on the floor for anything. If someone's playing perimeter defense on him, he's screwed. And it's just, he's taking highly contested shots. He's shot chucking. He can't self-create at all. And he can't defend laterally anymore. Like, this dude's a minimum player, basically. Like, this is bad.
it's a really good question and I'm not sure there's an answer to it. Um, and that's the scary part for them. And if, if you're just a fan of any team listening right now, and I gave you the offer, you can sign a player who scores 14 points per game, grabs three bound, three rebounds per game and has two assists per game. And you're going to pay him $40 million. Would you take that deal? Anyone in the entire league? Would anyone sign that dude if the name was just removed? Everyone's laughing at that offer. But because his name holds weight because of who he was in the past, Steve Kerr feels obligated to continue starting him. And Clay Thompson feels obligated to get paid more than he deserves coming this offseason. It's going to be a really interesting summer for this Warriors team. Oh, God. It's man, which is really gross. And I hope it doesn't happen. And I hope he does kind of take an ego check, accept a $10 million contract per year and stays with the warrior to finish out his career. That's the road I would like to see. Unfortunately, he doesn't know he's washed. I mean, if you've listened to anything he's said publicly, like he's still a superstar and it's it's right around the corner that he figures it all out. No, um, this all started last year. It's looked worse this year. There's clearly a downward trajectory for him. Um, and they wasted a really good Paul uh, Chris Paul game as well in this one. Um, he had a few big threes for this team to go along with 11 assists and zero turnovers. Like that is a perfect Chris Paul game coming off um, 37 minutes as well for a 38 year old. Like that's a great effort. And it didn't matter because Clay's chucking contested threes four times in overtime. It was, uh, if you're a Warriors fan, I'm pretty sure you're feeling confused right now. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, when it comes playoff time for the Slender team, if they're facing a smaller team, they're going to win this series. If they're facing a bigger team, they will be decimated immediately. And that's just... Right. Jonas Valanciunas, Jokic, Anthony Davis, you know, Carl Anthony Towns. If there's a, a true talented big on the other side of things, this team's losing which is like a very weird thing to have to deal with in this day and age of basketball where the three-point shot is so important. The the bane of this team's existence will just be seven-footers. Um, and unfortunately, the conference they play in, there's quite a few of them. Oh, there you go.
I completely agree. And I think this is, it kind of comes back to our draft philosophies. Me and you are huge draft guys. I'm sure if all you longtime listeners that are listening now have heard our draft stuff and our draft content over the summer, we always talk about talent or fit in the draft. And Presti has nailed every single one of his picks over the last four years, right? And what we're starting to see is there's so much talent on the team. They have a bunch of guys that they need to pay in a year or two. But the fit is starting to look a little weird and clunky. Um, Because they're such a talented team, they're going to keep rattling off wins. But come postseason time, there's some strange holes on this team for sure. And I think Giddy's one of those players that is being affected by how this team fits together for sure. Yeah, Josh Giddy's up for a contract extension after this season. And a part of me thinks, like, do you just bite the bullet early and, like, trade him for someone that could help you win now? Um, he's still super young. He's obviously a wizard at playmaking. But the jump shot hasn't really come around, and he's not a plus defender at six foot eight at the guard position. And there's just some fit issues. So this is, this is kind of what I was saying with the draft philosophy. Talent is always good. But sometimes fit is what wins championships. So uh, the Thunder are in a weird spot. But Thunder fans should be ecstatic that they have this issue to begin with. Because there's a ton of teams out there that don't have this issue. Right. Let's move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are filthy at basketball. They have won a few games on the road. They beat San Antonio on the road, Golden State twice on the road. They lost to Phoenix, but that was a scheduled loss. They were on a back-to-back. They're facing a team with Devin Booker coming back that everyone in the universe knew they were going to lose that game. And then the New Orleans Pelicans, they beat by one point last night off the back of a great Carl Anthony Towns game. This team is just good. There's no doubt in my mind they are going to be very, very good. I know I sung very high praises for them last episode. What are your opinions on the Minnesota Timberwolves? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's funny. I feel like if you were to build a team around Anthony Edwards, like what would be one of the player archetypes you would want? It would be a big man who could shoot. Like that would definitely be on the list. But because it's Carl Anthony Towns and we've kind of watched him over the years, he's kind of betrayed our trust as a trustworthy basketball player, right? I think that's kind of clouded our image of him. But I've been very vocal that I love that they have Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and Nas Reed on this team. And I think it gives them a weird advantage over other squads that don't have the size they have. Um, like, I think this team would smash the Kings. I think this team would smash the Thunder. This team would smash the Rockets. Any of these, like, up-and-coming teams that don't have a certified big man rotation, they will just get dominated by the Timberwolves. Um, this team's so fun, and you're right. If Carl Anthony Towns continues playing this way there's a chance he ends up in the all-star game alongside Anthony Edwards. Yeah, the Wolves have, like, two of the top six wing defenders in the league right now, which is, like, that's a really hard combo to stop. Um, and I think McDaniels is maybe top three in that list, like Caruso, McDaniels, and Holiday. Maybe I'm missing Derek White could probably sneak in there. I don't know. They're, he's the elite of the elite. Maybe a Sartant. Right, exactly. We could pick names forever, but... This team's just going to be impossible to beat in the regular season. Like, if you're Orlando coming into Minnesota on a Tuesday night, shots don't always fall, but defense is always there. With Anthony Edwards, Jalen McDaniels, and freaking Rudy Gobert playing the way they're playing, you're just not going to score on this team. So, on a nightly basis, this is one of the hardest teams to beat in the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A hundred percent. I said last uh, podcast that this is the team that will be in the Western Conference Finals against the Denver Nuggets. I'm not moving off that. I think the Suns are too wishy-washy. We've seen Bradley Beal play two games and then he flared up his back again. And I just don't trust those players together anyway. Uh, I love Kevin Durant. I love Devin Booker. But there's a lot to be desired on this team. Yusuf Nurkic is fucking horrible. Um, there's a lot that the Suns need to figure out. And the Lakers look okay. Like, they don't look good. The Warriors are way too small to compete with this team. And you can go down the list. The Sacramento War, uh, Sacramento Thunder, Rockets, all those teams I listed before, the Clippers, none of them could beat this team. So right now it's Minnesota and the Nuggets and a tier of their own and then everyone else. (laughs) 
I have one question about that potential matchup when we come postseason time. We've seen Kevin Durant over the last two uh, postseasons kind of get clamped up. Let's just call it what it is. Grant Williams and Jason Tatum were on his ass. And then you go to the next season, Aaron Gordon was on his ass. He did not perform the way you would want Kevin Durant to perform in a postseason when he was facing uh, Aaron Gordon, right? So Jalen McDaniels and Anthony Edwards are going to be on his ass. Do you see him potentially struggling again? Okay. that's a totally fair point and that's what's going to make that matchup so freaking fun is both teams have counters for each other and in terms of talent they're probably equal across the board I know that Suns are more top heavy and Minnesota's more has more depth but they're probably right about around the same area in terms of how much talent is on each team Yeah. I'm right there with you, man. This is pretty depressing. Um, I thought that I was going to be tuning into Wemby much more than I am. Um, The team around him does ruin it for me. It's hard for me to watch games where they're down 33 points. Uh, That is is tough. You know, I don't care how big of a fan you are of a certain player. If their team's getting smoked by 20-plus consistently throughout a game and there's no back and forth, that is a hard product to watch. Um, just recently, they had a good game against, uh, who was it? Sacramento. That was a good game. Um, but yeah, you, this team's been pretty disappointing. And also, I think Popovich just coming out and admitting that this year is like basically just developmental and they don't have any intentions on winning any games was kind of disappointing. I guess I just held this organization a little bit higher in my mind than other teams like the Pistons or, you know, the Portland Trailblazers. I thought this team had a an identity of, hey, we're going to try our hardest and we're going to be in games till the very last second. I just don't know if they have the horses. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. This has been sad.
Yeah, and he it's weird as a player who's seven foot five, you kind of expect him to sit around a certain threshold of efficiency, just because as a human being that large, if you're around the rim, it's basically a guaranteed two points. He has some stinkers, man, because he loves his jump shot. I mean, I'll just rattle off a few box scores here from the last few days, six of 17, four of 15, Four of fourteen and three for twelve. As a seven foot five human being, that's almost kind of hard to achieve. Now I'm still insanely in love with him as a basketball player. This is a rookie who is a number one option on a team. He's gonna face struggles, but I, I'm I've been a little surprised that he hasn't been around the rim a little bit more than I thought he should be. Like I think the way he played against that Phoenix team where he scored thirty eight is how he should be used every single night, where he's catching balls over everyone's head a foot away from the rim and then hitting the occasional three. But that's really not his play style. He likes to test out that jump shot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'll be tuning in very much, uh, which is kind of sad. Kind of sad. I want to move on to Indiana's offense. I stated on the podcast that Tyrese Halliburton is a perfect offensive player, and there's only three of them in the league, which is Curry, Jokic, and Halliburton. I feel very good about that statement that I made a few months ago. This team is humming. They have the best offense in NBA history. I know there's one every single year. Uh, The efficiency just keeps going up with these teams. But this is one of the best watches in the league. What have been your thoughts on Indiana's offense? Yeah. He is. He is. He really is. Like, he will get MVP votes in his career. That's in, That's insane. That's insane. Um, I just think, you know, he's going to be a guy where people come to the Pacers, and when they leave, they get paid. He is going to be a guy that gets a lot of people a lot of money. And if you're a, a, an impending free agent, Indiana might not be a horrible spot to sign a one-year vet min to try to rehab your image. Uh, we saw guys like Christian Wood and Kelly Oubre both do this this year. 
you know, playing around a guy like Halliburton who's going to get you open looks whenever you are open is not a bad idea. So I, I love this team. I love the way they're building. I just really want them to play Jairus Walker more. I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know why he's not playing. Um, it's frustrated me because I'm a big fan of his. And their defense is fucking horrible. Um, and I think he would really help. Uh, they're going to be a playoff, this team in the East, for sure. It's just, where do they go from here, uh, building this team out? Yeah, he's the ultimate team guy. He's the ultimate team guy that was brought onto a team that needed to learn how to win. And it's worked perfectly. And just getting back to the Jairus Walker thing quickly, I don't want to harp on it too long. Miles Turner, Jairus Walker, and Bruce Brown on the court at all times, that's a good defensive little core. Like, I could really see some potential from that. But yeah, this team's super interesting. And I also think what's weird about this team is Buddy Heald was in trade rumors before the season. He wasn't happy with his role and contract. The Pacers don't want to extend him. He's playing really well. Buddy Heald shooting 37% on threes, taking eight a game, scoring 12 points per game. Like this guy's an all-time spacer. A lot of teams will want him. But if you're the Pacers, do you even trade him this season? Or do you just keep him and let it ride? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it with Miles Turner, right? He was in trade rumors for the last five years, last half decade, and now they figured it out. He got extended and is having a career revival with Halliburton. Like, those two are a great pairing. Hopefully, they find a way to make Buddy happy um, or find a number that satisfies him. I think the contract is the issue between the two. Um, but I know a lot of teams out there would love a Buddy heel to join their team. So if they can't figure that balance out, you could probably slot Aaron Neesmith up a few spots higher in the lineup and then trade Buddy for some assets. So either way, this team's going to be fine under the, the care of Halliburton. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm right there with you. It's the surest bet in basketball right now. Seriously, like any long-term bet, Celtics finishing as the one seed is the surest thing. This team is a juggernaut. They have the best starting lineup in the league by a mile. Um, This team is so good. And Hauser is a really big part of this. Hauser's been so good for them recently. And we talked about it on the podcast, I think, two episodes ago, where we talked about the Celtics and Nuggets bench struggles and guys who needed to step up. Hauser is a comp- like a good enough player to step in when Tatum or Brown needs rest and really provide spacing and movement shooting and isolation defense as well. So, uh, yeah, Hauser has been wildly impressive. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm right there with you. I've kind of changed my tune on that. That's something I've been pretty concerned about. Right now, I feel pretty good about it. I'm still a little bit concerned about the playoffs, but... I thought he was going to just struggle the regular season, too. I thought maybe it was just done for him as a offensive player. As a defensive player, he's just going to stay with guys. He's always been great at that. But it's it's good to see him have a few great offensive games. And, yeah, man, this team, like, that might have been the best win of the season against the Sixers. Um, you didn't have Porzingis, and Brown was missing as well. And you go out and beat a team that has everyone playing – um, that's a really, really good win for them. Yeah. 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 And I think Derek White scored 14 in that fourth quarter too. And it's starting to reach this level with the Celtics where it does feel a little Kevin Durant Warriors-ish to me, where randomly one night, like Clay Thompson would finish the fourth quarter for the Warriors. Like he would have 16 points. And then the next game, Kevin Durant would have a 13 point fourth quarter. And then the next game, Curry would do it. And then, the, and it just kept changing And it just, no one cared. There was no ego involved. It was just, hey, we're winning games. We don't care at all who's taking the last shot. It is starting to feel that way for the Celtics for me, where one game Porzingis will have 30 and Tatum will suck, but it won't matter because they're winning. And then the next game Tatum will have 40 and then Jalen Brown will only have 15, but it doesn't matter because they're winning every game by 20 plus points. Yeah. 
Yeah, and while we were just talking about Philly quickly, I, I know we asked, I talked about this a little bit la- on the last podcast. I'm curious to see how they would stack up to the Celtics if they did make the trades I suggested on the podcast, where maybe they go get an OG Ananobi, maybe they go get an Alex Caruso, maybe they go get both. You know, even if they get both, do they stack up to the Celtics in terms of a starting five? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, you get rid of you get rid of DeAnthony Melton, Nick Batum, Robert Covington in a second, right? And they have valuable picks from all the James Harden and Ben Simmons shit that went on. Um, so they have like pretty decent picks to throw around, and they have contracts that they can move. Um, you know, if they get both of those dudes, I'm not sure they still meet the Celtics. I really do think like the Bucks kind of need to figure it out, or the 76ers need to find the perfect role player and Joel can't be a pants pooper in the playoffs because I do think the Celtics one vulnerability could be Jokic or Embiid if they're on, but we've seen Horford shut down Embiid for literally five years now. So yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a really fun year for Celtics fans, I think. Um, I'll talk a little bit about my Cavs if you're going to do some Celtics talk. I'm really, I'm really starting to fall out of love with this team. Um, I think it's guaranteed Donovan Mitchell leaves. I th- first, I want to say that. I think it's an absolute slam dunk guarantee he leaves. Um, and I think the root of why the trade was even made was because Evan Mobley looked so good as a rookie that... Kobe Altman, the GM of the Cavs, assumed some growth from Mobley. And by year three of Mobley's career, they would just be taking off for an NBA Finals trip. I actually sympathize with the thought there because I was duped as well. Um, Mobley's the same guy he was as a rookie. Uh, it's really, really hard to like say that because I tied my identity to being right about him. And I was wrong. I was just wrong. I was right about his defense. He's an all-world defender. He could potentially go to the Hall of Fame just because of how good he is on defense, similar to like a Ben Wallace or a Dennis Rodman type shit. But dude, like this offense thing is getting so out of control. I never want to hear about his dribble or jump shot ever again over the summer. I just do not care. It's become Ben Simmons level of hype around his offensive game. And then when we watch Ben Simmons play, he doesn't look at the at the rim and he doesn't shoot threes. Then why are we talking about it? It's become the same thing with Mobley. So I've become pretty frustrated. At least Max Struess is a fucking baller and I nailed that. Like he's been so good for the Cavs. But the Mobley stuff is frustrating. The, the Donovan Mitchell stuff, he's playing at an all-NBA level but it kind of feels eerily similar to the Kyrie Celtics year when everyone knew he was leaving. So why even play the season? Like 
we know that dude's leaving. It's just, what do we get back for him now? Like, we know he's going to New York. Are we getting RJ and Dante DiVincenzo and, like, two first-round picks from the Knicks? Like, what is the deal? I'd rather just see it now than waste a season away. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel very pessimistic. Yes. And it's because of the development of Mobley, which is frustrating because that's the thing I was counting on as well. Um, I texted our, you know, basketball group chat a few days ago. Like I used to think he was going to be like healthy Anthony Davis. Now I'm just praying he can be Jaron Jackson Jr. or bam. Like now my expectations have dropped significantly. Now I'm just hoping like, can he be bam? Can he be a guy who gives you 21, 13, I don't know. And that's what I'm saying. I, I texted you the stat this morning that has been frustrating the fuck out of me out of the last few days. Evan Mobley is only taking 33 shots outside of the restricted area. That is terrifying if you're a Cavs fan. That is terrifying if you're Donovan Mitchell and his agent. Like, that is not what we've been counting on. And I think his lack of shooting just proves he needs to play at the five. That's all it means. Like, Jared Allen has to go. Yeah, and if he ends up as an 18-10-5 game, that basically means he's been the same player since he was a rookie, right? Like, that that's, I mean, that means he's getting two more assists per game. That probably just means they're giving him the ball more. That doesn't really say, hey, I've improved. Um, yeah, this team's whole identity was based off of, can Evan Mobley make the offensive leap? And it just hasn't happened. Now, if we look at Bam's career trajectory, he took like five or six years to become a legitimate offensive player. I'm just kind of tired of waiting. Um, I don't know if I have the patience for that, um, but I'd like to see a new iteration of the Cavs, I think. Um, I've basically just been, I texted you this this morning, I've basically just been a basketball fan this year, not necessarily a, a Cavs fan. Like I've watched everyone and everything. And I'm really enjoying that. So, uh, I don't know. I can't. My ego won't let me go to the Celtics. I need them to not... Like, this year, they're going to be a championship contender of the highest degree. I can't jump on when they're at their all-time high. If Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown demands a trade or something, then I'll hop back in. But uh, I can't do it when they're at their all-time high. 
Yep. 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 He's a winner. Yeah, it's the defensive effort for me. That's what it is for me. It's like, because he's still inefficient and he's still a shot chucker. But at least he's like trying his ass off on defense. Yeah, so he's going to take those shots. Trust me, he'll definitely take them. Um, Yeah, just one more thing before we get on out of here, because now we're kind of stretching out. Pistons, quickly, very, very quickly. They look like a tire fire. Uh, I I apologize to them. I think our second podcast of the season because they were more competitive than I thought. This team's going to be fighting for the first overall pick again. Cade has the worst PER of all time right now, which I think is a really funny stat. Um, It doesn't really indicate anything like he'll be fine, but I just think that's a pretty funny stat. This team's tricky, man. Don't know how to feel. Hopefully they get better soon. Yeah, and I just want to read Cade's stats out for everyone right now. 40% from the floor, 29% from three, with five turnovers a game. That, it cannot get worse. It can't get worse. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I brought up Yeah, and I brought up the idea quickly almost as a joke before the pre-show with that, you know, do they trade for Zach Levine just to try to be relevant? Like just try to matter at all. I mean, Zach Levine gives you a legitimate offensive threat beside Cades Cunningham, and you can throw in Jaden Ivey as a trade piece along with, like, an unprotected pick and contracts you want to get rid of. Like, I don't know. Like, is that enough to make you the 11th seed? Is it enough to make you the 10th seed? Like, I don't know. Are they better than Brooklyn if they make that deal? Like, Yeah. 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 
I'm right there with you. It's three players and no one else. Uh, that's a that's a weird spot to be in. That was a good pick. Yeah, I'll give him some credit too. We both liked him in the draft process as a senior coming out of Houston. We as a defensive guard who could three point shoot. Both of us thought he went a little too late. Um, I like that pick. They traded up for him. Clearly, Troy Weaver had a vision there. But yeah, the uh, the process of building this team has been wildly confusing to say the least. And I, I know I just said I was going to wrap up, but I think this is another part of like why we almost need expansion because this team has Cade Cunningham, Asar Thompson, and Jalen Duran, and it's an afterthought. This team sucks. No one, no one's going to watch them. No one's going to come to them. They're paying players money that they don't like. I mean, they just paying guys because they have to like this team's okay on paper. Like they have three guys that are good. You look at them, they're horrible. They're getting decimated. Their coach gets paid more than anyone else in the league. It doesn't matter. Like, there needs to almost be, like, a flattening of talent in a weird way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right. They don't, yeah, it doesn't impact anything because there's so many teams with so many good players. It, it doesn't matter you have Wemby or Cade. Signing off with this, LaMelo Ball over the last few games, 34 points, 37 points, 28, 32, 25, 34, 30. He's a must-watch. One of my favorite players to watch in the league now. Never thought I was going to be a fan to this caliber. I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah, super weird. Yeah. For sure. They're the Hornets. Yeah. I got nothing. Peace.